Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another installment of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And what a show do we have for you folks. The 97th show that we have for you folks. We're talking about uh, Eric Rowan recently suffered an injury, uh, which led to some titles changing hands on SmackDown. It's more than a hint. Uh, we're talking about the NWO. There's some NWO teases out there that we want to address. Uh, we want to mention Fest Wrestling's next show, their second anniversary bash, which is going on uh, September 8th at 8 seconds in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, and of course, we've got to talk about TakeOver and SummerSlam, finally, because Darren and I, we did go head-to-head head to head. with our predictions on who the victorious would be, the all hail the victorious from uh, the weekend that was SummerSlam. What is it? The the, the the biggest summer party blockbuster ride? What do they call SummerSlam, Darren? The bigger summer blockbuster party ride. Uh, they should really call it something else. Um, so, yeah, lots and lots to talk about. Uh, again, we, we apologize for missing you folks last week. Uh, but on that, I'm going to have to ask Darren, how are you feeling, bud? Oh man, I uh, I'm feeling a little better, a little better. Okay. Um, heavily medicated. <laughs> Which is when are uh, you not heavily medicated, Darren? You know what I, I mean, right? I I have no idea what you're talking about. Sincerely, yeah. He, um, he, he actually he's a teacher, folks. So I mean, he's 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 got the drug tests to prove it that he's clean. So <laughs> I kid, I kid. He adult, uh, I kid. Well, under doctor's orders, I'm a little less clean. Um, I mean, it's legal. It's legal, but it's not clean. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are, are, are you saying uh, right now you would you would fail the WWE wellness policy, Darren, because of the doctors you know, stuff? You know, I might. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, but uh, apparently uh, that one's not easy to fail. Um, and I mean, it is easy. Wow. Okay. Like I said, los drogas. <laughs> <laughs> Los Drogas is muy malo. This is about as coherent uh, as we typically are. I see nothing different. Yeah, right, right, right. Man, I tell you what, though, I am starting to feel a little better. Tomorrow will be a week since I was hospitalized. Um, sort of blindsided by an uh, uh, an unexpected... Uh, uh, an unexpected illness. I guess you don't typically expect illnesses. Typically, but. illnesses are expected. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Thursday, so um, <laughs> beware the Ides of March. Yes. Uh, or something. I don't know. Uh, not the band. Uh, Shakespeare. Right, right, right. I, I doubt any of our listeners remember the Ides of March. Have you ever heard the song Vehicle? Uh, then you've heard of the Ides of March. 
I'm pretty sure that singer went on to form Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Or maybe maybe Ides of March came after. I don't remember anymore, but it's definitely the same singer. Anyway. Or, <laughs> but really, Vehicle, I mean, if you haven't, hashtag dear listeners, ever heard the song Vehicle by the Ides of March, uh, run, don't walk to your nearest Spotify and listen. <laughs> Get into your vehicle and listen to Vehicle. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, so I just, I got sick and it got really worse in like 24 hours. So I found myself in the hospital in the emergency room and I was very quickly diagnosed with appendicitis and, uh, they had, they drew some blood, they stuck an IV in me. They were, uh, basically prepping me for surgery. You got some color. Yeah, that's true. Drew some I was blood. juicing out of both arms. Sorry, I'm, I'm totally in wrestling podcaster mode now, so I'm, I'm looking for every every cheap joke I can. Uh, well, I got some nice bruises to show from, uh, from I don't know, some overzealous nurses who were like, ooh, let me get them veins. <laughs> but... Uh, Anyway, those were big needles. Um, I'm not like a, I'm not weirded out by needles. I'm not I'm not that person. But I mean, if it hurts, it hurts. And I was uh, I was hurting a lot. I was in a really uh, huge amount of pain. They were prepping me for surgery. They were getting me ready for a CAT scan that really was just to confirm the appendicitis the doctor had already diagnosed me with. Well, they wheeled me out of the CAT scan, and lo and behold. My appendix looked fine. Um, so they decided to continue, run, ran some other tests uh, after they thought, well, perhaps it's your gallbladder. Um, maybe you need to get rid of your gallbladder. Maybe you have some gallstones. Who knows? They quickly decided that wasn't it either. And so after spending the whole day and night in the emergency room, they pretty much kicked me to the curb. They were like, here's some pain meds, uh, go home, good luck. Uh, after suffering through the weekend, I went and saw my uh, general practitioner on Monday who uh, pretty much said I could relax. I was not severely ill. My white blood cell count was great, no fever, no infection. My blood pressure was great, EKG, all everything looked great. Nevertheless, I'm sitting there still in a tremendous amount of pain. Now we're talking about almost four days uh, of it. And he said, well, you may have an extreme sprain, maybe a pinched nerve, or even a small tear in your abdominal wall. Regardless, it's going to take some time to work it out. So you know what? We're all done with, uh, with, the, with doctors. I've now spent almost the entire week uh, basically going to school to teach each uh, each day and then coming back home after realizing it was a bad idea. And so, yeah, I, I definitely have been out of sorts, have not been in teacher mode, and have uh, honestly not really been in wrestling podcaster mode. I, I've been kind of in watching two entire seasons of Friends on Netflix <laughs> mode. And, uh, we've all know, been there, Darren. We've all, we've all been there. We, we, we've all been sorry. hurt. We've all been hurt. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. This, I, I'm trying to figure out who hurt me this time though. But, <laughs> well, the but nurses, the nurses for one. Yeah, for sure. But I tell you what, uh, you know, it's episode 97. I'm back. 
Um, I'm back in the classroom. Now here I am back with the podcast. I'm really happy to be, to be sitting here across the Skype waves from my uh, podcast brother, Perry. Uh, very, very happy to be back in the saddle. It's one of my favorite places to be uh, almost each and every week. Uh, unfortunately, we can't claim that as, as as tightly as we used to be able to, but almost each and every week. Well, luckily, we have no and, advertisers breathing down our necks to make sure that we put out a show every week. We're just, we're just keeping it casual, baby. Every Friday is casual Friday, baby. Oh, that's true. Uh, but I, I'm stoked that we're here at episode 97. Uh, if it were WCW and it were Starcade 97, then we would probably be uh, uh, letting you down by the end of the episode. But uh, oh, wow. unlike WCW and Starcade 97, the whole Ruffin show would never do that to our dear listeners. So, Perry, all I can say is I'm running on uh, painkillers, uh, muscle relaxers, and mellow cream pumpkins because tis the season and I, I need all that sugar. Well, speaking of Starcade 97 and running on muscle relaxers and all those... Uh, oh, nice. Very nice. He showed me the pumpkin candy, folks. Um, like, like every other wrestler was in 97. Um, so... <laughs> So there, exactly. There you have it, folks. We, we may miss a few. Or here we are, like, I mean, I can see 100 Island from my crow's nest on our ship, episode 100 Island. Um, and we've missed a week, maybe four times this entire venture through the ocean to get to 100. But uh, life happens, man. Obviously, I can't have someone, you know, force Darren to Skype a wrestling podcast while he's in the ER, though it, it should have done that. Um, that might have been that might have been fun in its own weird way. Right, right, exactly. So anyway, folks, uh, that's that. Darren's doing better, and hopefully he'll make a full recovery very soon. And uh, I'm same as always. In case you're wondering, no one ever asks about Perry. Uh, hey, Perry. Yeah. How you doing? How you doing? Fine. Did you have a good week? I did have a good week. Yes. How's your health? My health is good. Oh. Okay. Hey, that's all I wanted. Great. Uh, so let's. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure these folks want to hear all about Takeover and SummerSlam that happened six months ago, um, and of course they're going to want to hear about these wonderful headlines. One half of the Bludgeon Brothers is out of commission, which means 100% of the Bludgeon Brothers is out of commission. Uh, with Eric Rowan suffering a torn right bicep, and which caused the Bludgeon Brothers... That this basically happened, what, at SummerSlam, and it caused the Bludgeon Brothers to drop the SmackDown titles to the New Day on uh, that following uh, SmackDown Live. Uh, that's unfortunate, because you're given the... Well, first of all, Bludgeon Brothers, who have been, like, indestructible force of nature champions since, what, Mania? And uh, they, they've been undefeated ever since Mania, and probably before then. Um, but they've been champions since Mania. And now they just lose the titles <laughs> to the New Day. Uh, I, that's depressing, because it very easily could have just been like, how about Sanity jumps the Bludgeon Brothers and scores a victory and you instantly put Sanity on the map with the tag titles, and now the trio of Sanity can battle with the trio of the New Day for a while? 
Because the New Day have had all kinds of tag team glory. Like, this doesn't mean anything now that they're champions. Um, so I, I don't understand that. There's plenty of people that could have gotten the championship belts and could have boosted them up a little bit. The New Day, they don't need it. I don't like it. I don't get it. But but then we wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to see King Booker. True, true. I mean, I think that's worth the, the, the price of getting the New Day the belts again all by itself. Just King Booker, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> right, but he... He he's temporary. He's he's not there always. I'm sure. I'm sure him and Corey Graves had awkward uh, exchanges backstage uh, on that night. Um, so yeah, obviously we wish the best for Eric Rowan. Get well soon. I'm not. I, I liked everything about the Bludgeon Brothers until they actually debuted, and I was already <laughs> and I was already sick of them. Luke Harper had that really great singles push, and he was basically in the like heavyweight title spotlight, and people were into it. And then for him to just uh, nah, not him, it just that was so shitty and so poorly booked. Um, so I don't know. Um, I again have not been big on the Bludgeon Brothers. I won't miss them. Uh, nothing against them personally. I'm just not a fan of of the tag team. Well, I am a fan of the tag team, and oh, so I kind of hate that for them. Um, I am a bigger fan, I'm a much bigger fan of Luke Harper than I am Eric Rowan, but I like them as a tag team. I, I like the I like the gimmick, I like the whole shtick. I love the music, I like the gear, I, I don't even mind the mallets. Uh, I wish in a storyline way there were more to it. You know, I wish we had a reason that they were the Bludgeon Brothers. I wish we got a vignette that... Well, first of all, I wish they got a vignette. <laughs> Secondly... Uh, I wish it would be a vignette that were maybe set somewhere in the deep woods or, you know, around a, a witch's cauldron. And maybe they could be set on some sort of path by some weird sisters or something, you know. I assume they're afraid of giving them some sort of gimmick where they're in the woods because we'd be like, oh, they're Wyatt family. It's like, no, no, no but they're, they're not that. They're, they're something else because... Bray Wyatt is somewhere uh, else, so it, I guess it's hard to make right, them right, evil. Right. It's hard to make them to explain their evil without people going like, "Oh, this is just the Wyatt stuff, right?" Or is it not? So, I don't know. Could be, could be. Or, or you just, or like you just said, like you just painted a picture where not doing anything is actually the most confusing thing, because then it leads people to just go. Uh, what is this? <laughs> They're not really brothers, you know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, New Day is the new SmackDown champs. Oh, mm, that could have gone another way very easily. So You could have put the belts on Sanity for like a week. Something. I don't know. Just give Sanity something. Also, a trio feuding with a trio. I mean, that... that... Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. It's one of those rare instances, really, where... Uh, you want to bring out the cliche of the, it writes itself, but then once it starts writing itself, the WWE writers furiously erase it. Right. And go, no, no, let's only go with things that make no sense. <laughs> no, <they'll, laughs> nothing will ever write itself in the WWE. Am I right? Oh. It'll wrong itself is the joke there. Well, I'll tell you about another trio probably far more famous than the New Day could ever hope to be. And that's really that really is not even discounting the New Day. But 
How about that trio called the New 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 World Order? Another new trio. The the New World Order, the NWO, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, uh, reuniting. Have you seen this? I've seen I've seen a bit of Hogan T stuff online. Sure. Well, you know, it seemed like a bunch of nonsense. Like Hulk Hogan is is want to do over on his Twitter. But then all of a sudden a video surfaced and it was, you know, Oh God, not another Hogan video. Please tell me it was a good one. No, no, no. Oh, thank God. Thank God. No thermos, no thermos is present in this video. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, But, you know, Scott Hall was the, the slightly chubby, um, very, very, uh, very, very light uh, beard. And Kevin Nash with the short gray hair. You know, it's clearly shot very recently. Um, but Hall and Nash still look like a million dollars. And and Hogan does too, especially for a 64-year-old man. But there was something that was almost uh, like he was a, a, a mockery of himself. Like he, he looked like a Muppet version of him. Like he had not quite, like he didn't quite look himself that day. So he put on a Hulk Hogan costume or something. <laughs> he looked very odd in this brief little black and white video. The reason it matters is because uh, ever since that first video came out, there's been more and more stuff from Hogan. He's promising something in October, an NWO reunion. The biggest problem with this, of course, is that it is not WWE endorsed, not WWE sponsored, affiliated, okayed. No, in fact, it's not cleared with them at all. So Hogan, Hall, and Nash are simply, honestly, they're flirting with the disaster here because none of them own the NWO. Vince McMahon owns the NWO, but if the original members of the NWO are going to put on that gear and appear anywhere that's not WWE, this is going to become very problematic for them. Vince is going to drop the hammer, and you know that he will. Oh, he will absolutely drop all kinds of hammers. Double axe handles, too. He might drop the Bludgeon Brothers hammers, because they're not going to be using them for a while. (laughs) Ooh, callback. But if he does that, then Hulk Hogan, you know, you're you're out again. You're you're no longer in the Hall of Fame. And now Hall and that, you know. Plus, I, I've always thought that if you're going to put the four horsemen in the in the WWE Hall of Fame, and you should, they deserve every bit of it, you have to do it for the NWO as well. And what is Hogan trying to prove? I mean, we know that he and Vince have tried to have, they've had this pissing contest now for really 25 years, honestly, uh, in different iterations, but it always comes down to Hogan thinking he made Vince and Vince thinking he made Hogan. And that's exactly the problem with Vince and Hogan. It's the chicken and the egg. Who made who? You know, and and who made who? And who made you? If you made them and they made you. So where does it go from here? I don't know. I'm anxious for October to get here so that we can figure out what Hogan's plans are. Um, I'd be totally okay with Hogan, Hall, and Nash showing up in the WWE, after all, as the NWO. I mean, they don't need to be out there trying to, like, 
you know, go with the go with all the youngins or anything, but they could come out and be, you know, uh, troublemakers. That's for sure, pot stirrers, if you will. But uh, they definitely don't need to be NWO pot stirrers outside of the WWE because it's it's not going to end well. It's just not going to end well for them. And why risk it? Well, you know, it could also be a very clever ruse where it's like Vince is like, what are those guys doing? This is non-sanctioned. This isn't what I want. Oh, the NWO is here. Oh, they're again, they're not with us. Like they're, it's like they're trying to build that, that angle all over again where, oh no, this is an invasion of sorts. Um, but it's, I don't know. Eh? Cause Hogan knows better than that. Hogan doesn't go and show up in WWE and, you know, like, you know, beg forgiveness for everyone and for Vince and only to go like, well, now I'll do this, brother. So I, I don't know what the end well, game is. You're right. And in light of them supposedly filming that video uh, backstage to turn it into this whole redemption of Hulk Hogan story, it seems even more unlikely that Hogan would compromise all that. But then again... You know he's done it. He's done it a million times. I mean, I think the most blatant one was his whole TNA run. Like, that was just like, what? <laughs> you know, and they briefly went uh, on to Monday nights. And Bischoff was there and Flair and Foley and, huh? Like, that was just so unnecessary. And I think if this, is, if this NWO stuff is not somehow WWE related, then it too is very unnecessary. Fun, intriguing, you know, curious and mystifying, but totally unnecessary and potentially harmful. Just trying to uh, scare up some interests, you know, in in a a non-WWE world, I suppose. And speaking of that, all in... Uh, is happening very, very soon. They said it couldn't be done, Darren, but they're doing it. They're doing it, and I'm all in. It's the biggest independent wrestling show ever. That's what they're calling it. Well, if you're all in, I think I'm the last one on the planet who is not all in, confirmed. Uh, everyone else seems to be confirmed all in. So Consider well, me all in. I'm all, okay, that's it. Everyone's all in. Oh. Uh, Right. Yay, Yay! Applause from the crowd. Well, it's funny because this all-in show is happening, and so is the Jericho boat cruise thing happening. Man, if I were like indie talent, man, if I was like bottom rung indie talent, I would find a way to sink this cruise ship that has all these talented <laughs> indie people on it and ha- and kill them all so that I be- I rise to the top of the indies. If I were a horrible person who was also an indie wrestler. Wow. They better hope that uh, boat doesn't sink, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, it so- sounds like a job for Jason Cade. Oh, man, Jason Cade. Oh, God. Can, can you just imagine I- Titanic, but with, like, the, the, the clowns that Jericho has on his uh, cruise? It's oh, it's yeah. all indie wrestlers, and they're all complaining about who gets the lifeboats. and uh, All indie wrestlers and Conrad Thompson. <laughs> Fair enough. So, All In, we'll have more to talk about that uh, on the next episode. Uh, We'll try to cover it. We'll find the way to watch it. Apparently, there is a way uh, that it's being broadcast. And we'll find out, folks. And we'll we'll give you the the skinny on what happened at All In. 
I, I know I will. I am very excited about this card. It really is the biggest indie wrestling show ever. Don't don't let it fool you that it's just a Bullet Club gig. Don't think this is just another co-branded New Japan ROH gig. I know that ROH has sanctioned the use of their talent and their uh, their championship, you know, because their world title is on the line here. But the fact that you are seeing stars from those two companies, as well as stars that are not affiliated with those companies at all, in fact, stars that are very well known um, as you know indie darlings, and of course, CMLL, AAA, uh, Impact guys, MLW guys. I mean, this is really interesting. And then like totally unaffiliated people like Rey Mysterio, and then the you know Billy Corgan. And his world champion, NWA world champion Nick Aldis, coming to the table. It's really amazing. Like, this card is almost too good to be true. Is it, like, the best wrestling card ever put together? Far from it. But in 2018, this is, like, the hottest card possible. This is like someone going in and, like, on a wrestling game and, and going in to, like, create a player and making just everybody. And then making a card with all these creative players on this game. Um, and, and it's a big deal because, I mean, this was done without promoters. This is all the doing of Cody Rhodes, the, uh, the Young Bucks, uh, and several other people. And that's one big reason why Vince McMahon hates the idea of it happening. Because these, uh, these, these Young Bucks, these punk kids, uh, are actually getting it done. Also, you know, he didn't do it, so of course he hates it. Uh, speaking of indie shows, though, Fest Wrestling is coming back to Gainesville, Florida on September 8th. That is a Saturday for their second anniversary bash. Uh, huge card, a lot of great talent on it, of course. Uh, the championship belts will be on the line. Effie will be defending that Fest Wrestling championship belt. Awaken will be defending their Fest Wrestling tag team championship belts. Uh, I mean, it's a huge card building up. We'll have more about Fest Wrestling next week as well for our Fest Wrestling preview for Second Anniversary Bash. Uh, in the meantime, get your tickets, folks, at festwrestling.com. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to be there, and I hope to see all of you there. That's right, folks. Go there. Say hey to Darren. Shake his hand, even. Uh, <laughs> and like I said, we'll talk more about that next week. But we got to talk about something that happened... Uh, it seems like forever ago, but it wasn't that long ago. But I'm sure everyone's tired of talking about TakeOver uh, Brooklyn 4 and SummerSlam. But you're going to hear about it a little bit more because Darren and I went head to head. Head to head. And we're going to find out who won this time. So we're starting off with NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. Darren, did you like TakeOver? I did like TakeOver. I don't think I've ever met a takeover I didn't like. Oh, I, I've met many takeovers that I've loved. And this takeover, I must say, I only liked. Um, I, I think this takeover what? this takeover suffered a little bit because, unfortunately, we've seen most of these matches already. Um, which is not, which is pretty unique when it comes to takeover. Um, but um, Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane, we've already seen before. Gargano and Champa, we've seen a dozen times by now. Undisputed Era, Mustache Mountain, we've already seen it. EC3 and Velveteen Dream, we've seen shades of it. Adam Cole, Ricochet, we've seen shades of that. Uh, harkens back to the uh, North American 
championship ladder match. Um, so yeah, there wasn't a lot of newness here for me. Um, that that does not that does not I mean, it goes without saying the wrestling was was phenomenal uh, on this night. But for me, it kind of peaked. It peaked at Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain, and from there on, it was kind of oh, okay. That was- that was the first match. I know, I know. I wanted to peak in the first match. <laughs> that Ali. Uh, no. no, you know, I I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right with the fact that this, <laughs> this card is just matches we've already seen. And I guess with that in mind, it's not so great. But that Saturday night, the 18th of August, I was glued to my television I was glued to the WWE Network, and I liked every minute of it. So while on paper, I think your point is more than valid, uh, this is the first time we've ever seen NXT sort of repeat this much. Uh, in its actual execution, I was I was on board. No, like I said, I, I still enjoyed it a lot, but I wasn't like, oh, my God. Like, there's typically like four or five times where I'll go, oh, my God, or... There were a few of those, uh, like I said, the tag team match, and also Adam Cole and Ricochet. They pulled out a couple of stops. Um, uh, but for those, let's get into it. Let's talk about the first match, which is for the NXT Tag Team Titles, Undisputed Era defending against Mustache Mountain. And uh, like I said, we've seen it before, so we knew this match would be very good, and it was very good. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I don't want to agree with you that this was the peak, but you may be right. Yeah. Um, the, it, it sucks if the opening match is the peak. But they, they've done this a lot lately, actually. NXT has started several takeovers with a match that steals the show or at least sets a tone that's hard to keep up with. That's classically poor booking. I don't know that I personally hate it. I don't because I don't I'm not one for only going with the tried and true booking. I like experimental booking. And I like turning things on their ear. Um, But you don't want to do it in such a way that there's something that can't, like a a level that cannot be met. And I think that when you put these two teams in the ring, it's hard to to equal that. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Roddy Strong are just brilliant together. Like, I'll always love O'Reilly and Fish. Love the Red Dragon. But... O'Reilly and Strong, uh, and Strong is, man, he is feeling himself in this heel gimmick. Like, uh, coming out, unzipping his jacket, showing off the gold that was underneath it, and then patting the gold like you'd pat your full stomach. Uh, It just works. The whole time he's got a shit-eating grin, and he's just got that college boy twinkle in his eye uh, that, you know, that, that, ah, it's great. It's, It's a pretty boy heel gimmick out of Roddy Strong, and I really like it. And then, like I say, every time we mention Kyle O'Reilly on this show, just seeing him is enough for me. This guy is a wrestling fan's dream. Kyle O'Reilly is everything you want out of watching a professional wrestler in 2018. And Mustache Mountain, I adore. I've really liked them ever since they first came onto my radar uh, back in the first ever UK championship tournament. Uh, Tyler Bate, wow, what a difference uh, like a year and a half makes. He was only 19 years old. Now he's uh, only 20 years old. Let's say uh, 20. But his career has matured so much. There, there's something 
extra, uh, there's a little extra sureness, um, a little bit of maturity in, in, in Tyler Bates' step these days. And Trent Seven, I can, I just, he's always, always a winner in my book. Um, Trent Seven, his physique is the only thing that keeps him from being not only the UK champ, but probably the NXT champ. And I think that's, a, that's probably a one man. Uh, Mount Everest he's trying to climb and Mount Everest's name is Triple H yeah uh, you know Triple H is such a body guy and he focuses on body guys and Trent Seven while he certainly has, does not have a bad body he has a, he has an everyman body that is more than made up for by firing on all cylinders uh, in the other categories that make up what a professional wrestler is and, uh, and I think it's a shame if he's going to be held back for that reason. Um, you know, Trent Seven, kind of a non-trad, uh, speaking in college terms. Getting a late start, kind of the DDP route, Trent Seven not getting started until he was a little bit older. And now he is a little bit older than a little bit older. And uh, that's, that's working against him. But what a presence he has. Trent Seven really has a big presence. And... You know, the match is just a hell of a way to start off this show. Absolutely, it is. Um, and it's as good as the other two matches they've had since this match. And it uh, does end with uh, Undisputed Era hitting their version of Total Elimination. Uh, <laughs> I like that they do that. Uh, I on, like that, too. That was really cool. Yeah, on uh, Trent Seven, and they uh, they pinned him. And their victory was short-lived as the War Raiders came out and devastated the Undisputed Era. So we know who's got... Uh, Who's got Undisputed Era in their uh, crosshairs now? And I'm okay with that. War Raiders are uh, amazing. Amazing talents. We watched uh, War Raiders fight uh, all of the top competition in New Japan over the last couple of years, uh, as well as seeing them in the Ring of Honor. So I'm excited to see them with uh, some spotlight on them in NXT. Absolutely. Uh, that takes us to the next match, which is the only match that you and I disagreed on, Darren. EC3 taking on Velveteen Dream. I said Velveteen Dream needed a win because he has not won a match at TakeOver. I don't potentially ever. Um, EC3. And as I said, I wanted a Dream win. Right. But I didn't think that, I didn't think he needed it. I still don't think he needed it. I but think he'd have been fine without it. But you have to know, I mean, you have to know, Darren, when we go head to head. Head to head. We put our, we put our heart away. We have to lock our heart in a chest. Or we have to use our brains. <laughs> it's, it's not about what we want. I mean, Vince McMahon will remind us that it's not about what we want. It's about what he wants. But it's about what, I guess, maybe should happen more or less. So that's where we tend to cast our vote. And I knew Velveteen needed this. Needed this. Well, you know, if, if it's all about what Vince wants, and maybe uh, Velveteen Dream will be a little more careful before he writes or airbrushes some uh, questionable stuff on his tights. Like, call me up, uh, Vince? Yes. Call me up, Vince. Apparently Vince McMahon did not take too kindly to that. Um, it was not something that was passed by the old man, as it were, and uh, as a result, uh, maybe maybe hurt Dream. Uh, obviously, we'll just have to wait and see. I certainly hope it didn't. I, I thought uh, Velveteen Dream dressing up like uh, Hollywood Hogan would have hurt Dream, but like, apparently that got nothing. Um, <laughs> but the call me up, Vince. Uh, did it, huh? 
Anyway, uh, this is a good match. It's not great. I don't. I don't think EC3 and Velveteen Dream are great dance partners, considering we just saw Velveteen and Ricochet. We just saw Velveteen, um, uh, Al- Alistair Black. Um, so now we see EC3, which is just a different kind of wrestler. It was almost. I don't want to say a mismatch, but it was like watching Lars Sullivan take on Aleister Black. It was like, oh, you guys are just a little too different to have like a a good match to follow up Undisputed Era versus Mustache Mountain. Um, so that's uh, EC3 got busted open at some point in the match. Um, I saw the, the gloves come on the referee. I didn't quite see where, and then all of a sudden EC3 like angled I was like, oh my god! It was like he was, it looked like he was, not to reference wrestling video games again, but he looks like when you get busted open in fucking No Mercy uh, for N64. <laughs> He's losing it. it. Make, He's losing it. Yeah, did it make that weird sound? Like, uh, I can't even, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even mimic it, but like, I can hear it in my brain. I can hear it, and when I hear it, I'm like, oh, the next frame is going to be like this splotchy little blood pixel over your face. Darren and I know uh, that sound well because I once <laughs> forced Darren to play uh, N64 No Mercy with me, and we did a 30-man Royal Rumble. But it was, but it was, uh, it was, it was first blood only. So the only way to eliminate your opponent was to bust him open. It, it went for so long, the timer had to restart from the beginning because they, I guess, they assumed no match would ever go that long. But I feel like it. Probably lasted for about two hours. Uh, at least. <laughs> so don't you at ever, least. don't you ever question our wrestling fandom, uh, Don Callis and uh, Lazen B, whatever the hell your name is. Uh, so yeah, uh, I doubt they've ever done that. But uh, like I said, it, it's not a bad match. Um, it, it's, it is a good match. And uh, anytime I can see the Dream Valley Driver, which is that uh, rolling uh, Death Valley uh, Driver, uh, it's it's always good. He actually hit EC3 with that on the outside apron, which, as we all know, is the hardest part of the ring, Darren. And not only that, he also hit the purple Rainmaker elbow on the uh, on the outside apron as well. So EC3 was put away one two three, which means I won the head to head. Head to head. Well, uh, congratulations uh, to you. You can uh, you can take this one to the bank. Um, it's one of those weird. Things uh, the takeover always there are only five matches, so it's hard to do exceptionally well. You either have to be perfect, or you have to get four and one. And you managed to get four and one, so excellent job here. Um, the thing is, it is a precipitous fall from there because having only called one match incorrectly uh, from you, I now end up with that three and two, right. which which sounds terrible. Four and one sounds great. Change it one place, and three and two sounds like I've never watched wrestling before. <laughs> I don't think our SummerSlam uh, our SummerSlam call was uh, as good as my Takeover call, but you, you do what you can. You do what you can. The next match is for the North American title. Adam Cole, your inaugural champion, defending against Ricochet. Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, man. I never get sick of that, and I never get sick of Adam Cole. Um, I think I will get sick of Ricochet's entrance music. Uh, <laughs> Man, he should come out, and you should hear some like gunfire Ricochet sounds. If, 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 if well, it were if it were early '90s WCW, you would hear. Gew, gew, gew. 
That would be his interest music. Yeah, it is. And we'd get to see him on WCW Worldwide only. <laughs> and he would he would go over the top rope and he'd be fined because back then you could not go over the top rope. It was illegal. Oh my god. Cowboy Bill Watt, say it ain't so. Oh, the times, uh, they are changing. Ricochet, if they don't watch out, they're going to turn Ricochet into Neville. And that's my biggest fear, is that they're like, all right, now we got that Neville guy out of here, so uh, put the cape jacket on Ricochet, give him some weird superhero music, and make it all about the fact that you'll believe a man can fly. And it's like, no, 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 no. Ricochet was doing just fine without that giving. I mean, hell, if you're going to let him keep that name, because, I mean, I'm not even married to that name, and you know me. I always love the original name, and I always support sticking with your original name. But if you're going to let Ricochet keep that name, which is pretty, pretty generic, and change this other stuff to make it too Neville-ish, I don't know. I'm concerned. I mean, they're obviously, uh, they're putting their money on Ricochet. Uh, you and I put our money on Ricochet. We said he'd actually win the title from Adam Cole. We were correct. He does win the match. Uh, but I, I can see what you mean. Um, the way they're packaging Ricochet, the way the way they're selling Ricochet, it, it also kind of worries me because now he's become this spot machine, and I fear he's already raised his own bar too high, and he's only been around for a little while. Um, so it's like, God, if you don't do, like, a triple backflip, you know, corkscrew, you know, and then that something better than that next time. You know what I mean? Then it's kind of like, well, your, your quest is to outdo yourself, but you're going to hit a wall eventually. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Also ricochet. He's capable of very, very amazing feats. He's super athletic. I take nothing away from the guy, but as far as like wrestling goes, like his mat work, it's not terribly impressive to me. Um, so like, like as far as him having like a match with Adam Cole, I mean, it was all Adam Cole kind of like making this match a good match. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought you're not, you're not wrong about that. I, uh, I think you're right. Adam Cole is more of a uh, grounded wrestler, but it also makes him more well-rounded, like a more complete offering complete skill set whereas ricochet jack of all trades is about ricochet just sort of is the daring young man on the flying trapeze and that's great until you got a mat wrestle a guy and man we wow this sounds really negative about ricochet doesn't it mm. and i know we're both big fans but like you said i actually like i said <laughs> many weeks back when ricochet was feuding just right, or you know, just tooth and nail with Velveteen Dream. And on that episode of NXT television, where Ricochet flips over the top rope and just lands on the ramp and walks toward Velveteen Dream, right. I was like, okay, now we see stuff like that all the time, but typically there's someone standing there, you know, they get touched by one of your butt cheeks and then you both fall on the ground. <laughs> right. To see Ricochet do that and like land on his feet and walk, the, the whole thing seemed very T-1000. Oh, absolutely. It just seemed like special effects. It really didn't seem like it's the type of thing anybody could do. So once you do see them do that, 
anytime they're not doing it, it, it leaves you wanting more. Yeah, it, it's, th- that that's the issue. Is like when Ricochet is not flipping through the air, that it's kind of like, well, what's so special about him? You know, and I hate that for Ricochet, but I feel I like he's. Too. But that's my point. He's raising his own bar too high. Again, I take nothing away from Ricochet. He does things that are just fucking stupid, impossible to do. Um, but when you put him in a match against Adam Cole, who is a grounded grappler, that's when you kind of go like, oh, Ricochet's not. He's not that kind of wrestler, so it, it does look a little bit like uh, Adam Cole kind of outmatching him here. But uh, man, when uh, Ricochet hits that moonsault and Adam Cole kicks him, basically like super kicks him in the head mid moonsault, like that was just painful looking. Uh, also, Ricochet, yeah, that was great. That was that was awesome. That, that that was that was one moment that I was like, oh my god! So I did get one of those moments watching Takeover. Uh, but also uh, Ricochet Huracanos Cole off of the outside apron uh, throws Cole into the ring and hits that six thirty splash. Is that what it is? It's more than a four fifty. Is it a seven twenty? I don't. Uh, they. I thought I heard when the announcers say six thirty. But uh, anyway, that's how Ricochet wins the match, and uh, we said he would. Congratulations to Ricochet. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what you heard the announcers say. I heard the announcer Mara Ronaldo say, Mamma Mia! <laughs> there, right. there were so many crazy Mamma Mias on this night. I loved it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a regular... It was a regular ABBA movie musical is what it was. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, that takes us to the women's match. NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane. We both thought that Baszler would hold on to the belt. We were wrong. Surprise upset by Kyrie Sane here. And unless this means Shanna Baszler is moving her way up to WWE immediately to be with Ronda Rousey, um, that's the only reason I can see for her dropping the belt to Kyrie Sane at this point. Well, obviously I agree with you because now it just looks like Shanna Baszler can beat anyone except Kyrie Sane. And that's kind of a weird story to tell. You know, for Kyrie Sane to beat her for the Mae Young Classic Championship, for Kyrie Sane to beat her for the NXT Championship, it's kind of, I mean, it's very weird if they just remove Baszler from the equation because they sent her up to the main roster. It could be actually cool if they keep Baszler in NXT and they start to make it seem like you know, Kyrie Sane knows something the rest of us don't. And um, actually, you know, Kyrie Sane did say, you know, you know, she kept saying, you know, who will win this match. And uh, it kind of made for an awkward uh, promo segment when the contract signing. But I think that now that it's passed, I like that, that, that weird, uh, assuredness that Kyrie Sane brought to this match. Well, the reason might be as simple as, you know, Mae Young Classic 2 is now happening. You know, she shows up for the finals and says, like, you know, they're like, see what can happen if you win the Mae Young Classic. Now you're our, our, our first winner, Kyrie Sane, is now the NXT Women's Champion. This could be you. This could be you, Tony Storm. This could be you, Rhea Ripley. This could be you, Tegan Knox. Um... <laughs> 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 I still say Tegan. This could be you, Meryl Street. Mama Mia, Mama Mia. Uh, but so that could be that reason. Um, but I mean, 
I do like that. I do like how Kyrie Sane beat Shanna Baszler because it does tell the narrative of like, man, she's a submission specialist, but she just got out wrestled. Like she made a mistake, and Kyrie was able to turn a submission, her carafu to clutch into uh, a pin, which is how Ember Moon actually beat Shanna Baszler the first time around as well. It was just kind of like I think maybe she had him had her in a submission, and she was able to kind of roll her into a pin, and it was very like, oh. You're a submission specialist, but oh, you were out-wrestled by the wrestler. I, I do like that narrative. That, uh, that I'm fine with. I actually like Shayna Baszler a lot. Um, I, I, I was not on board in the beginning, and then the, the more time went by, and she obviously put the work in, and I, I'm a big fan of hers now. I still say she looks like Bizarro World uh, Bailey, but um, I actually find her a she lot... She I, does! I actually find her a lot more exciting than Bailey. Um, because she's a great heel. She really is a great heel. Oh, yeah. Then she should never not be a heel. And, of course, she she will – I'm sure she'll spend so much time as a face we'll get nauseated by it. But I'm with you, man. She needs to be a heel all day long. Uh, she needs to come back and get this belt back around her waist. I think it would be foolish to send her up to the main roster and have her just floundering up there when she can be dominating in NXT just like she has been for a while now. Um, because her going up and floundering up there would be no, no reflection on Shayna herself. It would just be too many women, not enough primetime matches. And right. therefore, she just becomes an also-ran. And Shayna Baszler has proven she is not that. You know, I've been a big fan for a while now. I'm I'm right with you in terms of thinking, give me more Shayna Baszler right now. Um, I hadn't really thought of her as Bizarro Bailey, but that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I call it I call it like I see it, and I call it right down the middle because this is the only the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole ref and show. So uh, I'm anxious to see what happens. I, I, fingers crossed, Baszler doesn't go to Raw or SmackDown. Fingers crossed we get a bigger, broader, longer, more stretched out feud here between Baszler and Kyrie Sane. And if they're interested in working the continuity of the whole thing, they should play up the fact that Baszler isn't quite the wrestler, the pro wrestler that maybe Kyrie Sane and Ember Moon were. She might be the baddest woman on the planet. She might be one hell of a cage fighter, a striker. She might be a submission specialist. But in pro wrestling, you got to combine all of that, you know. So hashtag if wrestling were real, <laughs> and right. that's what Kyrie Sane and Ember Moon have done, and it's it's caused Shayna Baszler to come up on the on the losing end, and I think that would be a brilliant story to tell. Absolutely, I agree. With that, uh, speaking of MMA fighters, though, uh, we forgot to mention Matt Riddle uh, was on hand yeah. at NXT. Uh, he, she, uh, the camera went to him after the EC3 Velveteen Dream match. Uh, we figured he would be. I mean, that's what happens, right? You show up, you show up in the audience in a suit, but he was still wearing flip flops, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, man, I love that dude. I am so ready to see him mix it up in NXT. I want him to keep his gear exactly the same, man. Wrestle in your bike shorts. Wrestle in your octagon gear. Stay barefoot. Stay no knee pads. Keep that tape off your body. Keep that long hair and keep those doobies burning, man. Like, I I am on board for the altered bro. Give me the flat bill cap 
give me the attitude and out wrestle these dudes, man. Show them what you're all about. Um, I just really, really am into Matt Riddle, and I, I can't wait to see Matt Riddle taking on someone like EC3 or Velveteen Dream or, or Ricochet or Champa. I mean, God, Alistair Black and Matt Riddle. Come on, there's so much waiting to happen. Lars Sullivan and Matt Riddle. How cool would that be? Well, you might get your wish sooner than you think, Darren. Wheel, wheels are turning. Wheels are turning. And the wheels were turning for the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, as he took on longtime frenemy, more so enemy nowadays, uh, Johnny Gargano, defending that title belt in the last man standing match, which makes this a bit different. But, I mean, it seemed like the Chicago Street Fight Part 2 to me, uh, <laughs> right? Basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, basically the same thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a good match because these guys are incapable of having a bad match, but there wasn't really a lot that I was like, oh man, that's something we haven't seen. And I thought the ending was horrendous. I was so disappointed by that ending. Why? Because it was too, too gimmicky? Yeah, it was, it was just, oh, Johnny Gargano's an idiot. <laughs> of course, Gargano, uh, Gargano handcuffs Champa to the entranceway, like, set. And it's last man standing, so basically, uh, if you if you fall down, if you're down and out, and there's a ten count, you lose the match. Um, so Gargano's basically beaten. He's handcuffed to the set, and Gargano goes for like one last final attack, which is a running knee, and he nails Champa with a running knee, and then keeps running off set and like slams into some like uh, some uh, boxes and stuff like that, or some other set pieces or whatever. So he's kind of like down and out. The 10 count happens, and Champa just kind of slides off the stage into a standing position. Technically, he's on his feet, so Gargano loses right. the match. And it's like, you, you need to have, like, Candice LeRae get involved in some way. Like, but please stop pretending LeRae doesn't exist. Like, have her exist in this match. Please have her turn on Gargano. I would love that so much. You know how hated Candice LeRae would be if she turned on oh. her husband in favor of Champa and said like I want to be with the hero Johnny like oh my god that would be so that, great that would be fantastic I know you've been begging for it for months I wish that you would get your uh, your wish because I'd love to see it just as much as you would uh, they, it was funny to see early in the match that they kind of teased the ending because we saw Champa slide out of the ring to his feet to stop a 10 count um, which was interesting because it sort of was a callback then uh, for the for the match winning save. That's called foreshadowing, Darren. Yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, I kind of felt like it was really blatant foreshadowing. I think if I had any criticism, that I think I'm following up your point, but it was just that things were too blatant, too deliberate. To dare I say choreographed? Uh oh. You know, I, I, I hate to use those words because Champa and Gargano are the you know quintessential uh, professionals. They're not failing. But I thought you enjoyed choreograph. You keep making these Mamma Mia Abba musical references. So I, I thought you liked choreography. No, I do. I adore it on uh, on uh, on, a, on a theater stage. I, I don't adore it in a wrestling ring. Okay. <laughs> and you know they, they went to the well again with the uncovering the mat and uh, just all those things I'm with you 
all of those things made it seem a little too scripted, a little too paint by numbers instead of a real fight. Yeah, a match you've already uh, seen a couple times. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't make it so familiar. You know what I mean? You shouldn't do something that's like, oh, they've never done that before, and then they do it again, and it's like you you can't do something for the first time again. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, man. You're preaching to the choir. I am 100% on board with that. But right. because of the foreshadowed ending, we get the, sh- the, the, the ending where Champa retains because he does essentially cheat the system after Gargano self-destructs. And uh, to me, that's that's fitting for the story. I'm happy with this ending where Champa retains. We both said that he would. Yeah. Um, I don't think that either of us picked anything like this as the ending. Um, so I, I'm really, I'm happy with Champa retaining. I don't know if I'm quite as happy with Hal. Um, but what are you going to do? At some point, Champa and Gargano have to start doing things differently. And this this might have been the match where they started doing things uh, differently, even if it made it seem predictable. I don't know. But I, I am curious where it goes from here with quote-unquote injured Gargano. Right. Um, the one thing they did that I haven't seen before was when Champa literally buried Gargano under, like, everything under like the the i think the including the, other people including other people just random stuff i think um he threw like the announcer's chairs on top of gargano basically huge dog pile on gargano and i thought oh it's torment it's the cover of uh, that spider-man issue where spider-man's trapped in the construction um anyway um so oh, i know the one. Oh, I, I know you know the one so i, I thought that was interesting uh, beyond that though it's kind of like yeah i mean just a good gargano champa match uh, and the ending to me was just so like that's not that's not good. <laughs> you could have thought of something way better to finish this match. So all in all, I mean, it was it was still a very good takeover. But I mean, typically, it's takeover blows my mind, and I like feel bad that I have to watch SummerSlam the next day. As it was, I still felt bad I had to watch SummerSlam the next day because it's so goddamn long. But um, yeah, NXT, just, again, it's a lot of matches we've seen before. doesn't mean they're not still good matches, and these aren't still good wrestlers, but a lot of newness was not there. So it wasn't like, oh, we finally get to see this happen. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. But when it comes to the head-to-head... Head-to-head. I did win that one, as we mentioned before. That will take us into SummerSlam, where there are 41 matches, and that's just the pre-show, Darren. That's just the kickoff show. Uh, hour three of the pre-show, match seventeen. <laughs> That's really how it felt. This this is one of those cards, and we said it would be. We warned you, hashtag dear listeners, uh, what you were signing up for, and and it was every bit as long and winding, even meandering. It was very time. laborious. It was. It was like, oh god. It was. And I, I don't mean to sound negative because, you know, I, I don't like to sound negative on the show. You don't like to sound negative on the show. But, I mean, even people who look forward to the Oscars every year still complain about how long the Oscars are. So, And SummerSlam, they're trying to build up to be the next WrestleMania. They're trying to make it WrestleMania Junior, which I don't agree with. I think that's absurd. Um, but I don't I mean, like this- any juniors that nobody asked for. Like, nobody asked for James Bond Junior. 
That's <laughs> actually the best example possible. Uh, but I mean, this, <laughs> this was 13 matches. Uh, I mean, some were very, very short matches. Uh, but still, it's 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 a lot to take in. So uh, let's start with a kickoff show, Darren. Kickoff show, we had Rusev and Lana taking on Andrade, Cien Almas, and Zelina Vega. A, um, a mixed tag match. Yeah, they're trying to keep the whole idea of mixed tag alive. I don't know why they're holding on to it. It's like they don't want you to forget that's a thing because they want to do something with that later on or something. I don't know. Well, what do you mean? Like, do you think that they're doing it deliberately in the face of intergender wrestling? Like, No, 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 not at all. They're just trying – I mean, it's – they, to not have a match like that for years, and all of a sudden there's that Facebook, you know, uh, mixed tag match uh, tournament, and now doing this every now and again, it's almost kind of like, why do you, why is this a thing now all of a sudden in WWE? Well, I, I'm, I'm more I, confused by that because there's always a reason behind everything, Darren. So I'm trying to figure well, out what that reason is. Sure. No, for sure. I think it's Vince McMahon's misguided attempt to address the fact that there's a great uh, deal of intergender wrestling outside of the WWE. Okay. And I think he's not going to embrace intergender wrestling. So at least put them, you know, in the ring sort of at the same time. But I, I mean, even 20 plus years ago, uh, when there was almost no intergender wrestling, I still always thought it was so odd that you had that the, the rules were what they were for a mixed tag match. And of course, I'm talking about like Mark Marrow and Sable versus Gold Dust and Luna. Right, right. It's like stop. Why do you have to stop and tag in the other person? It seems counterintuitive to just wrestling till there's a winner. Right. You know what I mean? Because like. It's too, it's too, it's too much of a rule. It's too much, it's too strong of a rule in a sport that constantly defies its own rules. But also, I mean, as far as like a tag team match momentum goes, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like there is, there is like a hot tag because someone in the ring is getting beat up so much. Like they're on the edge of getting pinned and losing the match. But the thing is, if they even if they run across the ring and somehow, you know, with the last ditch effort, tag their opponent in, then that means the the other opponents have to switch out. But they could just tag immediately again and force that opponent to come right back in again. You know what I mean? Like there there needs to be more clear uh, rules. Uh-huh. If if you think of it that way, you know what I mean? If, yeah, it's like if if, if, if hashtag way, if hashtag wrestling were real, why wouldn't you just tag that person back in immediately and go, oh, bring it back out? <laughs> So yeah, for oh man, that the whatever tiny bit, whatever tiny thread, <laughs> mixed tag matches were hanging on to, you just snipped it with the, <laughs> with the scissors of truth. Hey man, got to use them for something. Uh, <laughs> so Harry um, Smith, the wielder of the scissors of truth. The, this match is fine. It is what it is. I don't. I hate that they're not doing a lot with Almas right now. I thought he was actually a very credible NXT champion, more credible than uh, Drew McIntyre, if you ask me. Um, I thought Almas' reign was actually pretty fucking cool. 
Um, and he had some excellent matches. Again, I go back to that Gargano match he had where Gargano should have won the title, but still, that match was just top-notch. Uh, yeah, I mean, Almas and Zelina Vega go over in this match, um, and, I'm, and I'm okay with that. I like Rusev and Lana, but uh, we both picked uh, Almas and Vega to win, so we start off the biggest party of the summer uh, neck and neck. Hey, we're neck and uh, second, we have the cruiserweight champion, Cedric Alexander, taking on Drew Gulak for the title. And uh, Cedric makes pretty quick work of Drew Gulak. Um, like I said before, I am I was just excited to have Gulak on the SummerSlam card. I'd love for him to maybe win a match or actually appear uh, not only on the pre-show, I wish I wish big good things for Drew Gulak, and I just don't ever think they're going to happen. Not in the WWE ring, and not in 2018 or even 2019. So maybe Gulak will go on, find some greener pastures, and uh, and maybe a smaller pond, and uh, can be the champion that I want him to be so badly. But he won't be on this night. Loses to Cedric Alexander. We both picked that one correctly as well. So we're off to. 2-0. We're doing well. Doing well. There is one last match, however, left on the pre-show, and that is the Raw Tag Team title match between the B-team, comprised of Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Uh, and they took on the Revival, a.k.a. Dash and Dawson, Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson. And uh, I'm, still, I'm still on the Revival train, man. I need these guys to be a big deal. And I don't think Vince and friends really have any intention of making them a big deal. They tease us with it. The Revival take every opportunity in their promos to make us feel like they feel they're the best. But uh, there's no proof in that pudding. Their pudding is, is loss after loss after loss. Yeah, and again, I mean, the, they had a really slow. They were really slow out the gate with their uh, their injuries. Uh, they they both sustained separate injuries in the very beginning of their WWE uh, careers. And uh, I mean, Vince has to be a fan of the old style, the the revival, you know, the, the revival of old uh, tag team wrestling, which they're so good at. And if anyone is on, if if anyone out there is on the fence about the revival, you need to only go back to NXT. And watch their matches with DIY, which are just tag team classics. Um, but we figured the revival would not go over on the B team on the pre-show of SummerSlam, and I'm not a fan of the B team. It sucks because it's it's the thing that keeps happening in WWE, or it's been happening a lot lately. Whereas they give someone new a chance, but it always means something bad for the person that you really, really wanted them to give a chance. You know, whether it's it's um, Jinder Mahal going over on Shinsuke Nakamura, Carmella going over on Asuka, here the B-team going over in the Revival. It's like people that probably needed to be champion at some point, but no, not if it meant these people were getting shut out. Like, And, and that's what I don't like about this especially. So we figured the Revival would lose, B-team would go on, which means PKO, Darren. Perfect kickoff. Perfect kickoff. Well, well done. Ah, PKO. Perfect kickoff. I dig it. I dig it. Um, so, yeah, three correct choices, zero incorrect choices. And now the show has begun. <laughs> Only ten matches left, folks. 
The Intercontinental title match kicks off the regular show. Ooh, from main event to curtain jerker. (laughs) Oh, how the mighty have fallen. And the champion, Dolph Ziggler, who is accompanied to the ring by Drew McIntyre, taking on Seth Rollins, accompanied to the ring by his shield mate, Dean Ambrose. This is really Dean's return. Now, we've seen some stuff over the last... Uh, about 10 days, we've seen um, a more formal reuniting of the Shield. But on this night, it's just Dean looking out for his old buddy Seth um, against this um, the team that I really like, the team I really like of Ziggler and McIntyre. I think I feel about Ziggler and McIntyre the way I feel about the Bludgeon Brothers. I like them so much. I dig the gimmick. I dig the pairing. Um, and, and there's so much to like, there's very little to dislike, but there's also very little to invest in. And that's what I want is I need some stakes. I, I, I know I set myself up for that one. Anybody who wants to bring up my old school, <laughs> but, uh, I need some stakes here. I need some stakes. I need McIntyre. Stop saying it, Darren. Stop saying it. To have some- <laughs> To have something at stake. I need something to be on the line. I need to know why. Like, I need to understand better why they're together. Uh, I need another reason why they're together. I need to find out some ulterior motive of why they're together. I just need some story. Because as a pairing, it's excellent. But flesh it out. This probably should have been the Raw Tag Team Championship match. Uh <laughs> There you go. Yeah, th- that that would make this mean a little bit more. Um, Instead, it's not even a tag team it's match. It's not a tag match. They're just kind of there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Zickler and um, McIntyre as uh, tag team champions, that would be kind of cool. It'd be a little feather in their cap, especially now that Ziggler is uh, no longer IC champion. Spoiler alert, uh, Seth Rollins does go over. But if, if Ziggler wears those uh, tights with the IC championship belt design on the tights, he can get away with everyone thinking he's IC champion forever. Uh, Seth, Seth Rollins, of course, sporting that Thanos-inspired gear. Um, but uh, the match itself was was pretty was fine. It wasn't horribly overbooked like their embarrassing Iron Man match. Um, or so, they call it an Aluminum Man match because it was only 30 <laughs> minutes long. So when you say his Thanos-inspired gear, was it inspired by that day that Thanos... Uh, didn't get completely dressed. Like, <laughs> yeah. that... I, I said inspired. I, I didn't say direct copy of Thanos. No, did I? Now, when a movie is based on something, it doesn't have to be b- verbatim what happened by the numbers what happened. It only needs to be based. There was once a guy and a girl, and, and they're off to the races to do whatever you want. It's, it's a racing movie? Is it like Talladega Nights? I'm or... talking about Seabiscuit. I am, I am talking about the movie Seabiscuit starring Tobey Maguire. Oh, man, I wish you were talking about uh, the movie Days of Thunder. Uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise as Cold Trickle. And my personal favorite, Michael Rooker as Rowdy Burns. Yeah, well, Rubbin is racing. That I do know. <laughs> you know, I actually pulled a, uh, pulled a Cold Trickle when I was getting my CAT scan the other day. Did, did, yeah, did a female police officer pull you over and then, <laughs> and then molest you? Because that's what happens in Days of Thunder, folks. No, no one molested me and I molested no one. That's good. I did, 
I did, however, request that the uh, the radiology technician talk to me while I was in the dark room in the CAT scan machine uh, in order to ease my anxiety. Because even though I was on a morphine drip, my claustrophobia still was likely to get the best of me. Of course, I didn't claim that I talked to my pit boss through my headset, um, as he did in the movie. But right. I did say, you're going to have to talk to me. And, and she did. To her credit, she talked to me. She thought... This uh, this this enormous man uh, <laughs> who is who is approaching middle age. Why is he this afraid of this cat scan machine? And I said, "Hush up, talk to me. Hush up, be quiet. Hush up, talk. hush up, talk to me." And she yeah. was very confused, and she left me, and rightly so. Well. Uh well I, I I'm I'm glad you you got through your cat scan bud and and even more glad that there was no bad news, um but bad news for Dolph Ziggler Darren because he did lose his IC championship uh to Seth Rollins and uh, with that we move on yeah uh real quick before we move on wow <laughs> it's funny to me the between Velveteen Dream and Dolph Ziggler that all of a sudden we have this resurgence of like the ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, gimmick pants. Um, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I definitely like it. But it's kind of, you know, we really haven't seen anything like it since Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie, like with their airbrushed T-shirt, their airbrushed tummy shirts. You know, um, so that's weird. Uh, I, I kind of like it. it. To me, it always reeks of someone going into business for themselves. Which of course is what we, you know, we have learned about Velveteen Dream uh, at Takeover Brooklyn Four. I don't know. Interesting. I like it. It's just it always makes me think of that. Always makes me think of Ravishing Rick Rude back in the '80s and early '90s with all the airbrushed uh, taunting on his tights. But but of course, uh, I always like that he had Rick Rude typically had himself on like one leg and his opponent on the other leg, and it's almost like. It's, is this a good thing? Are you tributing the guy you're fighting? Or I don't understand. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But uh, next up at SummerSlam, your very favorite team, <laughs> the Bludgeon Brothers, <laughs> uh, <laughs> were, were defending their SmackDown Live tag team titles against the, you boys, the New Day. I, um, I think my biggest problem with Bludgeon Brothers is Eric Rowan is dead weight. And Luke Harper will do a lot better on his own, and that that that's very severe. But I think that's kind of the the root of it all. They don't know what the hell to do with Eric Rowan, so poor Luke Harper must drag him through the desert. Uh, yeah, is that how you that, feel? Uh, that is, I mean, I would never talk about anyone that way. So. <laughs> Except for No Way Jose. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. Because yeah. No Way Jose is dead weight. Like, he's dead weight, like, in life. Like, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know that say, poorly. Jesus. Uh, other than No Way Jose, I would never speak that way of anyone. No, of course, I understand what you mean. Um, there would be no Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, okay, this, this is going to sound really stupid and oversimplified, but... There would be no Bludgeon Brothers if not for Eric Rowan. Mm -hmm. uh, you might say, well, yeah, because he's one half of them. But, I mean, there would not be a need for them. 
Luke Harper would be on his own. I think he would be doing something successful. But Rohan can't do that by himself. Rohan does not have the singles uh, credibility and believability and a charisma, standout talent that Harper has. I know. I'm saying fire Rowan because he's 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 not worth the money you pay him. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not splitting hairs here, Darren. I'm I'm being as blunt as possible. I'm with you, but uh, I still like the Bludgeon Brothers, and I, I'm holding out some hope. I'm the uh, I'm not holding out for a hero uh, because <laughs> it's not coming, especially now that Rowan's out with another injury. Right, right, right. So obviously we know the Bludgeon Brothers do retain those belts only to lose them on SmackDown a couple nights later because of Eric Rowan's unfortunate injury. Um, Again, those unfortunate injuries. Um, So that's that's that. This wasn't much of a match. New Day put up up the best fight they could, but it wasn't enough in the end. Well, no, and, you know, with, with the DQ, they basically just set up the next night, so. Yeah was what it was and at this point we both uh we get no credit for that match because we picked them to win um now even on that night they didn't lose the belts but we did pick them to win not to lose uh by their own disqualification so we're gonna have to change our rules because a lot of times someone will get dq'd but retain the belts what we really mean is they won't lose the belts at this time I don't know. We'll have to. I mean, it is our game. I mean, I mean, head to head, head to head is our game. I think we need to change the rules. Well, well, yeah. Let's let's discuss that off the air um, because that would have been an extra check in both of our columns as opposed to an X. Because um, I think you're right. When we're making that call, unless we specify, we're really only concerned with whether the belts are changing hands or not. That's what we're calling. Absolutely. You're right. So perhaps that'll be different with our next big show. Next on the card, though, Braun Strowman took on Kevin Owens uh, with the money in the bank on the line. Let's say, don't say that was a match because that was not a match. Poor Kevin Owens deserves so much better than that. Oh, he does. Kevin Owens is doing some of his finest acting that he's ever done. Um, the unfortunate part about that is that that's all he's doing is acting. He's not getting a chance to wrestle. You know, I go back several years now to Owens and John Cena, which some of the best WWE matches I've seen in the last 15 years. No kidding, no exaggeration, no BS. Kevin Owens can have a good match with almost anyone if he's allowed I think Owen Strowman would be a good match if it were allowed to be a match. But it's not. It's, I mean, it could have been like uh, when Mankind feuded with Kane very briefly. Like, Mankind knew he could not beat Kane, but he's still, like, pull, he's still crazy. He's still, like, a, he's still a formidable foe, so he pulled all the stops and did what he could. This is before, this was filler until Taker could actually fight Kane at WrestleMania. So Strowman makes mincemeat out of Kevin Owens in almost no time, and that last choke slam on the edge of the ramp uh, took my breath away. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. Whoa, whoa, is that, is that Days of Thunder also? Or is that Top no, Gun? That's Top that's Gun. Top Gun. Damn it. Top. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Tra- you got to trade out Nicole Kidman for Kelly McGillis. Oh, man. 
Oh, Got to trade man. up Robert Duvall for, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Skerritt. Yeesh. <laughs> that I will not do. You got to trade out Rowdy Burns for Goose. <laughs> Old Goose, yeah. So Strowman uh, able to hang on to that briefcase. Uh, it's a shame what's happened to Kevin Owens. It really is, but I think he'll. I think he will survive. I think he will still be a, a big player in WWE. He's just uh, he, he's been taking his lumps for a long time. He absolutely has. But that was a pretty easy match to call. They got that one right. Oh yeah. Next up, the SmackDown Live Women's Title is on the line. Carmella who has been holding on to that championship for quite some time, which I know makes our dear friend of the show, Crystal, very, very happy. Um, But she took on Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Now, Becky Lynch winning this match would have made me very, very happy, but I'm not going to get that. And uh, anybody pulling for uh, Carmella to retain, they're not going to get that. I was very surprised that Charlotte won this match. I was um, too. Uh, we talked about this uh, going into it. It We thought because Charlotte was added, it kind of muddied things a little bit. And that meant Charlotte and Becky would cancel each other out and Carmella would kind of s- sneak through with her belt intact. But I, uh, I, I hate that it's another Charlotte Flair title reign, but I love that... There's like the hugging and and the motion after the match with Becky and Charlotte Flair. And then Becky just destroys Charlotte. And that entire audience is with Becky. And she's doing doing stuff that you should not be cheering someone for doing to to another human being. Um, But the audience knows like that's bullshit. Like Becky should have won this belt. Um, So that's problematic because now Becky is this super heel and convincing, I might add, uh, in her rage uh, against Charlotte. But the fans are with it because it's like, yeah, yeah, Charlotte totally screwed Becky out of that uh, title opportunity. But I, th- I think you and I both went into this thinking this would lead to a Charlotte-Becky feud. We, I guess we probably didn't think subconsciously the belt needed to be there for that to happen. But now, now that the... Because it didn't. Right, I'm not, absolutely. This this feud would have worked either way, but the more I think about it, the more they actually did it the right way. And Charlotte winning the belt again, now it's kind of like, well, then who cares anymore? If she, of course, like you know, Miss Prim and Proper, the princess, the queen wins again. Like so, that kind of does add a lot of fuel to this feud, which I do like. And 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 Becky will hopefully get that title belt again. I now that Oscar's in the rear view. You know, it's got to kind of get over that. That we'll never get this great Oscar Charlotte Flair feud because that could have happened and didn't happen at all. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. But I, I love what they've done with Becky. I love Becky so much since SummerSlam now that I'm kind of like interested to in seeing where this Charlotte Becky thing goes. So uh, we got that one wrong, but uh, I like the outcome. Um, the more I think about it, so yeah, I like it in the end. I just I like heel Becky. Too, so that that's okay with me. So right, the only the only thing that's bad is that now where does Carmella go without the belt, without Ellsworth, without a briefcase? We're gonna have to see Carmella really shine uh, with an empty stage around her. And yeah, that's gonna be interesting. That is, interesting. I think she's totally she's totally up for the challenge. Well, that is interesting, but also they can't seem to not do mirror booking 
Because Becky and Charlotte, oh, they're they're really great friends, and now they're bitter rivals. What does that remind you of? Oh, Bailey and Sasha Banks are going through the same exact thing on the other show. Okay, great, great. Apparently women wrestlers can only be BFFs and then get really mad at each other and that eventually things would be okay. That's the only angle they know when it comes to women wrestlers, apparently. Um, so there's that. So we shall see what the future holds for Carmella. It's unknown. But Charlotte and Becky, that should be a pretty good rivalry. Most definitely one of my favorite uh, rivalries that I've dreamed of for a while now, just God, fingers crossed again, Becky eventually comes out on top. She deserves it. So we go from the SmackDown Women's Championship to the SmackDown Men's Championship, also known as the WWE Championship, and the champion, the holder of that title, AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, was set to take on the very hostile and mean-spirited Samoa Joe. Uh, sorry. Oh. Sorry. Wow. You are, you've been working on that for a while. I, I, dear listeners, while <laughs> the whole time I was talking, he was pantomiming. Perry was pantomiming that yawn, and then he finally got to actually do it. So, uh, Call it... You hate this match? Call it Shinsuke AJ Fatigue. And, and and seeing how great of a program AJ can have with someone not at WWE, and then when you have those same exact people in WWE and put them in a program and see that it's just kind of, nah. I was, I mean, that's why I think I mentioned this in the last episode. Going into this match was like, I know how great they can be together, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles, but I know it's just going to be a match you would see on Raw. And it's going to have a bullshit ending. And guess what? That's exactly what this match is. It's not a bad match. It's not a great match. And the ending is stupid. And it's... What's happening? <laughs> Samoa Joe's doing great promo work. Such great heel promo work going into this. You know, talking about how... Because Samoa Joe knows AJ's family personally. They're addressing... They've, been, they've known each other for years and years and years. And he's saying, like, I'm going to do you guys a favor and bring Daddy home by taking him out. And, like, that's so great. And it's so personal. And you can't just make that. You know, you can't just book that. Like, it has to come from a real place. Otherwise, fans will see right through it. And they have all those components. And the match was just okay. And the ending was just horrendous. So, again, it's kind of like, well, I don't care. You made me, you've already made me not care about Shinsuke Nakamura anymore, WWE. And I'm starting to not care about AJ Styles and now Samoa Joe. So, well done. Well, they, I'm with you to a certain extent. They killed a lot of my Shinsuke enthusiasm. I'm still happy with AJ as the champion. I still feel his presence is legitimate. And I still feel that Samoa Joe is a legitimate threat. He's a believable threat. He's a credible so, threat. I'm not, I didn't say he wasn't. No, I just, I, I don't think they've been quite ruined for me. Uh, perfect booking, no. But uh, both of these guys are booked uh, better than a lot of other people. And uh, I guess that's where I'm at, is it's not terrible. Um, and they are such a good matchup. And again, I'm going to reference again this episode, how much of a sucker for continuity I am. And now... The WWE is starting to mention TNA by name. 
thanks to whatever licensing they've done with Global Force Entertainment, you get that reality of knowing that AJ Styles and Samoa Joe do have a history. Vince isn't trying to sell us on this crazy new matchup between WWE's two youngest stars. Darren, this match happened before the U.S. title match. I'm not How much of a shit do you think Vince McMahon gives about AJ Styles' title run? They keep talking about, oh, AJ Styles had the belt for almost 300 days or whatever. How many times has he main evented with that title? Even with Brock Lesnar, who was Universal Champion, not at the show. How many times has AJ, the WWE world title holder, main evented a show... How many times has the Intercontinental Championship headlined the show? At least once. And that's one more time than the SmackDown Live champion AJ Styles. Okay, fair enough. But regardless of if Vince is always going to put SmackDown on Tier 2, the powers that be in SmackDown land, the, the in Blue World, those people are getting some things right. True. So, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe... Uh, you, you clearly just run it into the ground and uh, you yawned through my entire introduction and I get it. (laughs) I I mean, I get it to a certain extent, but I I don't agree. I enjoyed this match. Darren, 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 Darren. What is your favorite drink? What? What is your favorite beverage of choice? It's not rocket science. Just give me an answer so we can move on. Alcoholic or no? No, soda drink. We'll say a soda drink. Coca-Cola. You love a good Coca-Cola. Hey, I love a good Coca-Cola. A lot of our hashtag dear listeners, they probably love a good hashtag Coca-Cola. They love a fine Coca-Cola product. Now, Darren, if I were to pour you a nice tall glass of Coca-Cola, you'd probably be pretty happy about that, pretty excited about that, because you've had Coca-Cola before. You know what Coca-Cola tastes like, right? Yeah? I do. I've had it once or twice. Now, if I pour you a a glass of Coca-Cola, I'm going to pour you a glass of Coca-Cola. I'm going to fill it about yay high, about three-quarters of a way, and I'm going to throw in some ice to make it nice nice and crisp and delicious and cold for you. Now, if Vince McMahon were to serve you that same exact glass of Coca-Cola, he'd probably fill it up about halfway and then fill it the other with water. He'd give you a watered-down version of what you actually want and what you expect, is my point here, Darren. And that's the thing. I know what AJ and Samoa Joe can do, but what I'm going to get is a watered-down version of what AJ and Samoa Joe can do. That's the point. That's why I'm unhappy. That's why I was not thrilled about this match. And that's why I cannot be thrilled about this entire angle. Touche. Thank you. Touche, my good man. That was very well spoken. Well, of course, the finish, you don't like the finish either. Um, but it does see AJ retain the belt. Um, I like the – I can still get, even if it is watered down, uh, I still can get behind aspects of the story where Joe is just really awful and mean um, and because that suits him so much better them being like a friendly giant. Like, I know. I, like I said, I love the setup, but it comes down to the match, Darren. If the match isn't great, then who gives a shit? Well, too many WWE fans is is the reality. Is or, or I guess I should say 
not enough because not enough WWE fans do give a shit. But I don't know. AJ retains the belt, of course. He just qualifies himself, keeps the title. And so for us, what that means is I got it right, you got it wrong. Of course, if we visit these rules, I guess it would be the other way around. But who knows? That's for if, that's for when we reevaluate the rules. Uh, nevertheless, <laughs> uh, AJ is still your champion. I knew they wouldn't put it on Joe. Um, <laughs> I knew they. I picked him, but I knew they wouldn't put it on Joe. Right. Uh, I just. It, I don't know if they ever will. But next up, because there are a few matches left, there is Daniel Bryan who took on the Miz. No belts. No championship, no tournament finals. This is a grudge match. Bragging rights. It better be the first of many. This is going to be one of those feuds where I probably will not see the matchup enough times, which is the opposite of what WWE normally does, where I see every matchup too many times. But I think I could watch Daniel Bryan and the Miz feud forever. I really could. It's a it's a it's decent match. Uh, obviously, ringside you have Maurice who has uh, Miz and her's child in a in a carriage, um, and Maurice obviously plays a big role in the match when she hands the Miz an illegal object, and Miz hands it back to her again and he uses it to defeat Daniel Bryan. So the Miz does go over on Daniel Bryan. A uh, couple things about this match: one, uh, the Bella twins were interviewed earlier in the night and. I don't even know why. I guess just because it's like, hey, don't forget they're here. Don't forget the don't miss Evolution, the old ladies pay per view, which is fine, whatever. But Bellas are like, we're definitely not going to miss that Ronda Rousey Alexa Bliss match later. We are definitely going to be there ringside or whatever. And it's like, uh, Brie, shouldn't you definitely not miss your husband fighting his match? Is that no? Okay, well you're not going to be ringside. That's fine. So that that was kind of like that kind of irked me. Like, why wouldn't his wife be ringside? Two, because uh, Maurice's baby carriage was so covered up, I thought they were going to do something really ballsy where they had Daniel Bryan. They basically tricked Daniel Bryan into falling on top of the carriage. And it's like, oh, my God. So he freaks out because what I love about this feud is I, I may have mentioned this in the last episode. It's been so long, folks. I'm sorry. There are so many parallels between The Miz and Daniel Bryan now. They both married WWE wrestlers. You know, they both have reality shows. They both have young children. That it's, it's, if Daniel Bryan accidentally landed on the baby carriage and wiped it out, and Maurice was freaking out, and the Miz is freaking out, and Daniel Bryan's like, oh my God, what have I done? And then the Miz, because he knows it's empty, like clocks Daniel Bryan and then throws him in the ring and wins. He play, he plays up, he like, Plays up the fact that like he he as a father thought he hurt a child. Like I thought that would have been great, and that would have been like, how could you stoop to such a low, the Miz? But instead, it was just illegal object, foreign object, and pin. So it was kind of that's how you end this match that's been built up for over a year that Daniel Bryan came back for. That's what happens. I agree, um, and it is to end the match this way. As long as they don't end the story this way. No, no, the story is long like from said, over. This is the first of what I hope are. I have the opposite wishes for this than I do most WWE matchups. I really do want this to last forever. I want them to fight every single pay per view. 
until WrestleMania and then blow it out there. And Brian wins back every bit of blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, every bit of sarcasm. Every bit of Ides of March. Yes. (laughs) That callback. And uh, and every bit of it has to be swallowed by The Miz. Um, Unless, of course, they manage to sway me. That, uh, that that Brian's actually the heel and the Miz is actually the baby face. Uh, they may sway me. They may Patrick sway me. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. There's a lot left to unpack there, but I think a lot of time to do it. So take your time, tell that right story, and have it culminate one way or the other at WrestleMania. That, that would be a killer matchup, and it's going to really suck people in. People like SummerSlam is bigger than WrestleMania, Darren. What are you talking about? WWE has told us this. So this is the time to do it, man. This is when you pull your stops out. Uh, Kidding, of course. Kidding, of course. They didn't. Okay, yeah. We both said Daniel Bryan would actually win. The Miz does win with a little help from the wife. Um, So we got that one wrong. But I'm okay with getting it wrong if it means you also got it wrong. Well, next up, we have Finn Balor taking on Baron Corbin. Constable Baron Corbin, Darren. Constable Baron Corbin. Uh, man, I'm a fan of both of these guys. I've been a fan of Finn Balor for a long time, and it took me much, much longer to come around to Corbin. But I'm a fan of these guys, and yet I'm not a fan of this feud because it doesn't have any real intrinsic dramatic weight to it. It's all superficial. It's all seems last minute and childish. Constable Baron Corbin, a bit too puckish for for Finn Balor, who should be always, in my mind, should be the Demon King. Um, so if anything is remarkable about this match, of course, it is... That he was a Demon King, yeah. And I mentioned that in the last episode, that he probably would be. And even, it's funny because you say that in Coachman doing commentary, even said, what would make you think, why wouldn't he just always be this character? And Michael Cole, there's a long pause, and Michael Cole's like, well, he, he only you know brings it out when he needs to. Um, which is funny, because the next night on Raw, he fights uh, the current Universal Champion for the Universal title, and is just Finn Balor. It's like, why didn't you bring it out then? Why didn't you bring it out then, Finn? Yeah, really. So this isn't really even a match. This is a total squash. Demon King Finn Balor destroys Constable Baron Corbin. And uh, we both said that Finn Balor would at least win. We didn't think it would be that much of a landslide victory, but apparently it was. So that is that. But I do agree with you. There's not a whole lot behind this feud. It's it's very like, we don't know what to do with you yet. Just you guys fight each other. And that's going to happen. But I, I'm not a fan of Constable Baron Corbin. I never have been a fan of Baron Corbin, so... To be fair. Well, to be fair. Yeah, and to be continued. I think we're going to see a lot of Baron Corbin um, over the next few years. A oh, I can't wait for that. Well, I don't think you'll have to wait. Oh, He's good. not going anywhere. Because I can't wait. Uh, the United States title is on the line next as the champion of the U.S., Shinsuke Nakamura, defends against Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy... See, this is a battle of WWE doesn't really want to push you guys. Because Jeff Hardy is, of course, uh, like a a master of the unknown, you know. And then Shinsuke Nakamura is 
an artist. So it's, you know, the charismatic enigma versus the artist. I mean, that's almost a little tacky when the artist makes no sense. And charismatic enigma, why? Because he wears face paint? There's a, uh, there's a lot of precedent for that in pro wrestling. I like the face paint, but I think the charismatic enigma is giving him a bit too much credit. That you, you got to be one more badass to be a charismatic enigma. Well, Jeff Hardy has so much he has to kind of go to. Like he has to be this this daredevil, and he has to break his body in every match at some point. And but he also has to reference the the broken universe stuff and the the leading. The thing is, like Shinsuke and Jeff Hardy are both doing the the best they can with this feud. Um, they're, I mean, they're they're you know playful jabs in the ring at each other's like uh, mannerisms and stuff like that, which I actually find pretty comical and and uh, it works for me. So they're doing their best. So I, I can't fault either wrestler, but I mean WWE no, they're is just like they're, they're showing up to work. But but Randy Orton's involved somehow, and, and he isn't, but he somehow. is, and it's just like what's going on. What story is being told? Word. The key word is somehow, and I don't know how. I, I don't like it, can't figure it out. It stinks. Yeah. But Shinsuke does retain his weird, messed up rap version of his music. Gets to play again. <laughs> don't get um, me started. Don't get me started. It's, it's a mess. I can't believe they've done it, but they've turned him into that. Right now, he's that stereotypical bad guy, foreigner. Yeah, that version of Shinsuke, they they filled a Coke up to about 25% of the glass, and the rest is all uh, purified water. Anyway, like I said, they're, they're, they're trying with this feud, but you know, there's only so much they can do in the ring. Uh, again, Randy Orton comes out after the match, and you think he's going to attack, attack Jeff Hardy, uh, who... He doesn't, it's very, it confused the entire audience, uh, and me as well. I'm sure the entire audience at home was confused as well. Um, so yeah, whatever that is, but, you know, the beat goes on. That takes us to the penultimate match of the evening, as Darren commonly says. Uh, Alexa Bliss defending that Raw Women's Championship against Ronda Rousey. I said they would not put this belt on. Alexa would get out of this somehow. Man, was I wrong, and were you right? Ronda Rousey becomes the Raw Women's Champion and really devastates Alexa Bliss. Like, total ragdoll. I thought Alexa Bliss deserved better than this. I mean, you could have done, you could have did the same thing they did with Shayna Baszler, where she's big and dominant, but she's fighting Kyrie Sane, who's just a better wrestler. So in the end, Kyrie Sane does out-wrestle Shayna Baszler. Um, it wouldn't necessarily have to be a victory for Alexa Bliss, but she could have been something. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, uh, sure, and I agree, and I think that this hurts Alexa actually. I mean, that this actually sort of damages her a little bit. It damages her her sheen. There are other ways she could have lost this match, and I'm just afraid that it's going to be a tough road to hoe. Uh, for Little Miss Bliss, uh, now that Ronda is on top. I don't know what to do with her either. I mean, I don't know what to do with Ronda Rousey. Um, but she doesn't need the belt just yet. I will say that. That's that's sort of a no-brainer. They needed to they needed to book this better. 
so that Ronda didn't have to walk away as the champion. That, that's that's a phrase we say pretty often on this show nowadays when it comes to like WWE roster or like certain wrestlers where like we literally don't know what to do with them. It's almost like we just walk through the front door with like way too many groceries because we didn't want to make a second trip from our car. And it's like we don't we don't know where to we don't have enough counter space to put everything somewhere, so it's like I don't know where to put this. Like that's how we're treating the WWE roster right now. It's like I don't I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, I mean, Ronda was going to become champion. It was going to happen. It shouldn't have been her fourth match uh, for a woman who claimed she wanted no, uh, she didn't want to be treated any differently than anyone else in the locker room. And I don't know what you do with Ronda Rousey now because, like I've said many times, you can only become the champion for the first time one time. After that, doesn't mean anything anymore to me. Um, and it makes Alexa Bliss look god awful. Uh, makes her look like she couldn't do anything against Ronda Rousey, even though Nia Jax weighs three times Ronda Rousey does. Um, and there was somehow still a match there. Uh, I understand building up Ronda Rousey to be this badass. They have a lot of potential to make her like the next Stone Cold Steve Austin because she can finally, you know, cause trouble for Stephanie McMahon because McMahon, Stephanie will smack any male wrestler and there are just zero repercussions. But, um,. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a bad situation because it involves the golden child Ronda Rousey, and again I take nothing away from Ronda. She's very talented. She's trying very hard. Um, she has to change the oh, way. Yeah, she... No, you can't blame Ronda. You don't you don't blame somebody for the opportunities they're given by someone else. No, but you she has to change the way she walks the ring because something about the way the jacket fits her, the way she <laughs> charges to the ring looks weird. <laughs> you notice that. Oh, I don't think I've noticed that. Okay, well, go back and watch SummerSlam just for that moment. She's, like, power walking to the ring, and the jacket is so big on her. It's just, like, this looks weird. Um, anyway, so, it's again, it's not a match. Alexa Bliss spent a lot of time on the outside being apprehensive about coming in to actually face Ronda. Ronda's taunting Alexa the entire time. And uh, eventually Alexa tries to come in and just gets slammed around and gets pinned. One, two, three. New women's champion, Ronda Rousey. Of course, Michael Cole immediately pointed out it's the first time a woman has won the UFC championship, women's championship, and the Raw women's championship. It's like, yay! Yay! Pointless factoids! Thanks, Michael Cole. Thank you so much. That's what you're here for. That's what you're here for, bud. That's why I get paid the big bucks. But that does take us to our main event of SummerSlam, folks. For the first time... I'm kidding. Just kidding. This is a match we've seen several times. It is Brock Lesnar defending his Universal Championship against Roman Reigns. A match that no one wanted, uh, but they got it anyway. Because I guess it had to happen at some point. I don't know. It had to happen. It was every bit as underwhelming as... (laughs) Now who's being negative? Wasn't it? Hey, 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 don't hurt me. I have enjoyed shows where they didn't have this match, even though it was highly anticipated more than I enjoyed this match. Fair enough. Uh, I thought the best part was actually Braun Strowman coming out early on in the match and saying he's waiting for you know a, an opportunity to cash in his money in the bank. I thought the coolest part was actually when um, Brock Lesnar grabbed the briefcase and threw it all the way to the entrance way, and it smash the uh, the graphic wall on the entranceway. I thought that was pretty awesome, actually. 
that was just a cool visual, and, and that could have went wrong. That could have gone into the audience very easily, but uh, hats off to, to Lesnar for making that toss. Oh, yeah, totally cool, totally cool. Uh, not that this match didn't have its moments. Um, I've, I've been a Brock Lesnar fan for so many years. I just am not anymore, um, and I've never been a Roman Reigns fan, uh, except for the early, early days of the Shield. So a, a match between these two, it's going to have its cool moments. Yeah, it's just not a cool match. They're not a good matchup, and yet they're both veterans enough that they should be able to do something. They should be able to meet on some common ground and put on a decent match. They're both physically able. They're both physically able. They're both super strong and agile. So they can do a number of things to one another. They could have taken full advantage of that to really uh, change the tone at this point in the story. The story of them feuding or whatever, and it's lasted forever. It's lasted forever with huge gaps where they didn't mention one another at all. And we even thought Roman wouldn't be back in this title scene. And yet now, here we are, all of us together, every one of us being drawn to the biggest party of the summer and hoodwinked by Vinnie Mac. This is basically uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when Clark sets up all these Christmas lights and decorations for like this grand, grand <laughs> finale of uh, Christmas lights. And every time he brings the family <laughs> out to see it, it doesn't work because there's like a missing connection or someone hit a switch somewhere without him knowing it. So this is finally Beverly D'Angelo went into the, the house and realized that someone may have flipped the switch, which means the lights wouldn't work. And now the lights are finally on, but only instead of being in awe, we're just like, finally it happened. Can we go back inside now where it's warm? Um, so yes, Brock Lesnar, unfortunately, spent too much time worrying about Braun Strowman on the outside, and Roman Reigns capitalized on it, and now Roman Reigns is finally your Universal Champion, and uh, that's that. One cool thing to come out of that is uh, the Shield reforming, which is actually pretty cool. I, li I, li I like that. The they're having the, the reunion they didn't quite have the first time because, again, injuries and what have you, and mumps. Um, anywho, that's it. That's it for SummerSlam. And uh, it was long. And, uh, <laughs> and Wait, what can you say other than it was long? It was long. It certainly was a thing. Anyway, I'm sure everyone's tired of SummerSlam and TakeOver. It seems like it was forever ago. Um, and let's, let's do take a look at our final tally, though. Sure, go for it. The yeah, the final tally of our head-to-head. Head-to-head. Is that I am nine and four. And you are seven and six. Oh, yeah, I know it took a beating at SummerSlam. So, again, similar to the last time, mine's good, and yours is above 500, and yet, because it's right at 500, yours looks not as good. But, <laughs> you know, not, not telling you how to feel, but if I were you, I'd tell a lot of people to go on, get the hell on, come back when you can come up with a flawless way of picking a fake sport. It is what it is. So, Darren, congratulations for winning the SummerSlam head-to-head. Head-to-head. You can have it, man. You can have it. Um, so, good job. Did you guys enjoy SummerSlam? Takeover? All that stuff? Huh? Let us know.
And there's a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate it. Uh, send us a Gmail if you want to. The whole Refn Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or, or you can always find us on Instagram at The Whole Refn Show. T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W. You know who's calling us that, don't you? We are. <laughs> the whole reference show. Everywhere we get the opportunity to uh, bring you the latest and greatest in wrestle news and wrestle views. Uh, Instagram is a good place to start. So check all your social medias because all your social medias belong to the whole reference show. We'll see you next week, folks. We'll talk more about Fest Wrestling, our Fest Wrestling preview show for the second anniversary bash. Looking forward to it. We'll have more about All In, and of course, we'll have our typical hashtag WrestleViews and WrestleNews for you. Until then, I am the incredible badass, Perry Smith. No, you are not. Don't you dare. <laughs> no, you cannot take that from me, Mr. Lazenby. I am the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. All right, and we're going to see you next week, folks. Take care. Bye-bye.